Our first message this afternoon is from Mr. Doyle Carter. It is entitled, Our Relationship with God the Father. On and everything needed, everything ready. Good. Oh, why well, I'm getting ready. I, what I did during research, during research for this topic, I actually found two interesting quotes from an individual. I don't know who he is, but I thought the quotes were good. His name is Reed Markham. If anyone knows who he is, you can always tell me who he is. But the quotes were very interesting when I was doing the research. Basically, what I found was here's his two quotes. First, God, great fathers don't find faults. Great fathers find solutions. And what I liked about this one was the, the, qual the quality of a father can be seen in the goals, dreams, and aspirations he sets not only for himself, but his family. I thought that was a pretty good, those two good little quotes there for Father's Day being tomorrow. Speaking of that, being tomorrow, being Father's Day, and I thought it would be a great opportunity to not just honor our human fathers, earthly fathers, however you want to say it, but also to consider our heavenly father that we have and how awesome and great he is. And I picked five characteristics, because for Saul, time does not permit to go any further. I had too much information, had to condense. And, and these are just brief. I'm just going to briefly go over them, just to give us an idea so we got something to think about when we actually think about God the Father tomorrow and we thank him for what he has done for us and the blessings he's provided in this life and beyond, actually. So in the first one, as a good, a good dad, God the Father provides a way for us to become a part of his family so that we don't just perish or we're not just doomed as humans with our sinful nature. When we, we'll go on to, Paul wrote to the Ephesians, and he wrote the, went there, we go to Ephesians 2, 12 through 13, Perfect. That at, just a moment here. No, the paper's not blurring up and I'm running out of power. Just <laughs> Actually, it's funny. My eyes are getting to the point that I actually have to raise the amount, they raise the font to be bigger. Now, back to the train of thought. Paul wrote to the Ephesians. He says in Ephesians 2, 12 through 13, that at that, at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in this, in this world or in the world. But now, in Jesus Christ, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Or blood of Christ. Like we've seen at Passover, before, like we've seen at Passover in various places you read, we through through Christ and His sacrifice, we actually are drawn closer to God, God the Father. Because we see that God, God the Father, provided us a way. Because in, in in John three sixteen, for God so loveth the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So through His Son, God has provided us a way. And again, another proof text on this. Paul tell, tell the Galatians the following. In Galatians 4, 4 through 7. 
But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God had sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying out, Abba, Father, therefore you are no longer a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Jesus Christ. So we see, at least so far from what we've read, that through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, we have the option of becoming a part of the family of God, which we would not have otherwise because of our sins and just our, just basically our sins and what we do. And we see in 1 John 3, 1 and 2, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it shall not yet, it, start that over, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. God's, God the Father loved us so much, he has opened an opportunity for us to be in his family. He allowed, and, and we, as we already know, Jesus volunteered to do this. And he was happy to do it for us. He came as an emissary as well as a, we hear in the Bible, he's a mediator. Intercess, he intercesses for us. He, that's how God does it. And we have an opportunity, instead of just perishing, that we could be part of a family with God. Now, the second, leads to the second one. The second one, as a good father, God knows our needs and will provide our physical needs. And as I put here, he will not actually, he may not give us steaks, fancy cars, mansions, things like that. I wouldn't know what to do in a mansion anyway if somebody gave it to me, but nevertheless. But he does provide for our physical needs, because in this life, taking care of our physical needs, especially in this society nowadays, is becoming even more of a hardship and stress. I've heard some of my friends talk about taking a second job to actually be able to pay for everything they need. Of course, they have family, and I don't, but they, with kids and such, it costs more nowadays. But God will, will provide for us. He will to help us out. For in the Sermon on Mount, I kind of cut this back because there was a lot of extra stuff above, but my point here was going to be from Matthew 6, 31 through 33. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you, that you need all these things. But first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be, shall, be added, shall be added to you. He tells us, first off, in this life we're to first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his character. And he will provide. He's aware of what we need. So he will provide the, thing, the items we need, the clothing, the food, and so forth. As I said, you may not get a steak every day, but you will get what you need for food. You will need get a car. I guess back in the old days it would have been a cart. 
but not a car, but whatever. Way beyond my time. Maybe my grandmother's. And he knows what we need. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, and I, Sermon on the Mount also made a comment in Matthew 7, 9 through 11, expounding this just a little bit more. He says, Or what, what man is among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, that he'll give him a, ser a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I was thinking, I was doing some reading last night because I'm going to start, how I'm going to read the Bible through a year is kind of divided up so it's just not straight through. Like Lawrence said once in a sermon, you know, you start with Genesis and go all the way through. You stop at Leviticus because it's so-and-so begot so-and-so, so-and-so, and you just kind of get bogged down. I'm dividing it up. But I've been reading the journey, the Exodus journey, or starting. I started last night. And I noticed one of the things that God the Father and Jesus Christ did for the Israelites is their first stop was they, they complained, first stop was fine, they kind of did whatever. But the second one, they started complaining about food, of all things. They didn't go to God, it didn't look like. They looked like they just went straight to Moses and complained to him instead of God, like they should have went to God. But out of grace, God actually gave them some a, a, a bread that was unusual, which they call it, what is it? It's the actual manna. So there's an example where God was actually gracious. gracious. It's an example we could use. Also, we're at the end of that exodus. I'm a little ahead of my own game when I read it, but I also realize that, he said, that God kind of chastised him and says, do you not know your shoes didn't wear out, your clothes didn't wear out, you know, all this good stuff? I took care of you all the way through. And he does that with our lives too. Because when we look back at what our lives, you know, sometimes it does take 20-20 hindsight to see the blessings that come about. But when you look back, you can probably think in your own life Thing, times when you said, God, what's taking you forever? And then everything just worked out fine. What you needed came at the right time and the right place. So God will provide for us. You know, he's, he's like a good father who goes, okay, yeah, you need this. Of course, we've got to work, get jobs, and things like that. But when we're in need, he's not going to leave us, leave us down. Third, as a good father, God... God the Father has set a path for us that will basically benefit us. He gives us a guidebook to help us. We're not just like rogue children that run around and do whatever we want and don't know what our consequent, the consequences of our actions are. He actually gives us something so we can grow up, so to speak. As, we, as it says in Matthew, uh, well, you don't have to turn to it, but Matthew 33, 6.33, when it says, First, seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Well, Paul was, wrote to Timothy. When he was writing to Timothy, in 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17, get back to the idea of the Bible, and that from a child, talking to Timothy, and that from a childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, 
that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. God has provided us this book. I mean, not this book, but, you know, the Bible. He provided us the Bible to read. It has examples. You've got David, Daniel. You've got people you can read. He gives us instructions on how to live through the law and through what Jesus said in the New Testament when he was on earth. You know, how you're to forgive your neighbors. You know, he gives you all these instructions to make our lives better. So we can build the character of God the Father himself. We can emulate our Father in heaven. Because there's lots of good examples in here. Like I said, with, with Exodus or like... So. Also, the fourth point I have. God the Father shows great love and compassion toward us as his children. This is important because I, you, sometimes you'll hear like uh, hear where a father gets mad and oh, I hate saying this, but will smack his kid pretty badly, you know, not in punishment but out of anger, you know, drunk, whatever. God the Father is not like that. He's, he has compassion. He will not, his correction is right. We'll just put it that way. But he has compassion. And Jesus actually expresses this in a parable. In a parable, in Luke, in Luke 15, 11 through 32. Don't worry, I'm not going to read the entire thing. We'd be here forever. But just to drive my point here, Jesus goes into this parable, the, the parable of the prodigal son, or as the New King James for some reason went, the lost son. Either way, it's still the same basic idea. In the parable, you gather this man has two sons. An older one and a younger one, of course. The younger one says, Father, give me the portion of the goods that befall me. And he goes, okay, the grass is greener on the other side. I want to go out in the world and see what it's like. I think I can do good. And we don't know if the father argued or, you know, complained, you know, said, hey, hey, this may not be such a hot idea. We don't know that. You just know that he went on and gave him, this, gave him what is what's good. Well, the young man goes out and he goes off to a far country. Okay, great. Then he wastes his possessions. I can actually relate to that to some degree in my life, where sometimes in my life, when I was younger, it wasn't perfect. I know other people would testify to that. You know, sometimes you think you're doing good and you're not. But he wastes his possessions in that far country. And what even compounded the situation was there was a severe famine in the area. So he went to a countryman, or the countryman of that country, and he went, okay, I need a job, I need to do something. So he got to feed the swine, which after living at, in uh, North, southern Arkansas near a university where pigs actually are. I was thinking about that when I was thinking of swines yesterday when I was practicing. I was going, oh yeah, I remember being next to the University of Arkansas. I think, or not University of Arkansas. It's University, Southern University of, Ar of Arkansas or something like that. And I used to ride my bike when I was a kid. And these, there was a place where they had pigs. And it was like, oh man. It was just awful. I can't see how people can eat this. The critters. But anyway, but he was actually eating the food that was given to them. And then we see, and this is where I was going to break into the thought, in verse 17, he says, and when he came to himself, so he realized, oh, whoa, 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 something's not right here. He finally realized something. He came to himself. He came to his own conscience. He said, you know what? He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, which he, by the way, if you go in the future, he never completes it, to his dad, 
Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. So he felt, okay, well, I must have offended my dad to the point that he won't have anything to do with me. I'll just ask, beg to be a servant. At least then I can have all the food I need. I can, you know, I'm at least taken care of. You know, in our lives, sometimes we do things that make us feel that way. And that's, you know, I, I won't go into any details with me. Maybe you don't have that problem. But sometimes you do stuff that you shouldn't. But here was how, what happened. In verse 20, he arose and came to, came to his father. And when he, when he was still great ways off, his father called the police. I'm joking. It's not what it says, but he called the police. No, he told his servants to go get him off the property. No, what did he do? Let's read it. Let's, let's look into this. When he saw him, he had compassion. He looked out there. You know, imagine the kids probably got the worst clothes ever. You almost can get the impression he may have been barefooted. I mean, no shoes, because later on you hear he gets sandals. He probably was skinny, because, I mean, come on, he's eating this nasty stuff these pigs eat. I mean, good gravy, yuck. You know, I mean, imagine he saw his son. He had compassion, and he ran to meet his son. And he fell on his neck and kissed him. And his son started to say, well, Father, I have sinned against... You know, I'll say, well, he probably did. Well, Father... I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your blah. That's all he got to get out, pretty much at son. At that point, his father called his servants and said, you know, and I'm, this is going to be paraphrased, he got the best robes. He gave him the family ring, the signa, to say, hey, you're a part of the family. He gave him sandals. He, brought, he, said, he told him to get the fatted calf. He didn't sit here and chastise him and told him, I told you so. He actually welcomed him back with open arms, with compassion. And that's how the God the Father reacts to us when we come back with repentance. He doesn't just go, I told you so. You know, he actually, I mean, well, he actually sits here and he welcomes us back. He doesn't just kick us off to the curb and whatever. It's like when I had issues with going broke once. One time I actually had a situation, I won't go into it, I had put myself in a very bad financial position. My dad displayed this very well, except for he made me to, said, I, said, I told you so twice, but, you know, he got to do something to teach me something. But I had put myself in a bad financial situation, and then the car died on top of that. And when I called him and I told him, he didn't, other than that one, two, I told you so, he was like the, uh, it was like the quote I gave you. He went off and said, a good, like I said, like the quote said, a good father does not look for faults, he looks for good, for solutions. It's okay. You got your lesson. Let's see what we can do to fix this. And it turned out afterwards, the car was replaced. God graced me with a job, and then from that point forward, everything went well. But the point I'm making is God the Father is the same way. He, like my dad, except for a lot greater resources and know it a lot wiser and knows exactly what to do. Not that my dad didn't, but I mean God the Father can say, okay, you need a job. Let's get you in there, or whatever you need, or you need a car, you need whatever. He is there with compassion and ready to help us. The fifth point. Make sure I'm on the right page. Fifth point. We see that God has a plan for us. As a father, remember I read that one about the goals? 
That's one reason I like them, because it's basically saying a good father, how he projects his goals to his family. Well, God has goals for us. We're not, you know, just... What I don't understand when people... Okay, without being offensive. When you talk about going to heaven and all that, and I'm not saying it's bad or good, and you're talking about hearts, that would drive me nuts. I'm glad that God has goals for our lives. Gives us hope to help overcome. He basically, this point says, basically, he's grooming us to become kings and priests. We're going to be a part of the family business. Like the ancient world. You know, we're... Um, like in England, I was watching some documentaries on England and King Edward and all them. When they had kids, they would put them in high positions. They wanted to have their children in, in the, so to speak, the family business or rulership to keep the power. Well, God's very similar to that. Or like a business owner might go, you know, I want my son to be a part of the business. Like, unfortunately, Jack Benny didn't do because Jack Benny's, just as a little aside, Jack Benny was actually, his dad was a tailor. I don't know if that's a technical word, but he made suits like what we wear here. And in his situation, he actually, his dad really tried to force him to be part of it. And he knew how to make suits, ironically. He had a running joke through all his rodeo programs. It's like, did you make, or Mary Livingston, if you even know what I'm talking about, one of his antagonists would say, did, did you make that suit, Jack? No, I went somewhere else. I know how to make a suit, you know. But he went on and did something else. But like a, fun, but like a good father, his father wanted him to be part of that business. Haberdashery, I think is what they call it. So we see this in Revelation 1, verse 5 through 6. Perfect. And from, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and washed us from our sins in his blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever amen through Jesus Christ we have the potential of becoming kings and priests in the kingdom of God we see this in Revelation 20 verse 6 blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection, over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. God the Father wants us to be a part of the solution. I keep harping on the idea of Steve's sermon, but I like it, the kingdom solution. God, God the Father wants us to be a part of this solution so we don't hear what I've been hearing all week, the craziness on the KMRG radio. You know, we, we have the potential... In, in the future, someday, to be a part of that, that solution. In Revelation, I thought I would go ahead and put the uh, introductory scripture in the back for the first time, just a little different. In Revelation 21.7, we read, He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. We see that God delights in us as becoming his children. And in summary on this, as Father, well, go back a second. He delights us as being his children. He wants us to inherit everything. He wants us to have rulership. We have to overcome. He provides that means through Jesus Christ, the word. And if we have the gumption to go ahead and do what we're supposed to do, now we're telling ignore the word or whatever, we read this book. 
We continue to meditate, internalize it, try to behave according to the way it tells us to be, even though it's difficult, realize that God's got our back. You know, we're not, you know, so if you lose a job over the Sabbath or holy days or you have some principle that the company didn't like, suddenly, bam, they get rid of you because it does happen. God is going to be there to take care of it. He's your safety net. Say, hey, hey, you did what I asked. Now it's my turn to do my job. So as Father Day, Father's Day approaches tomorrow, now like I did two weeks ago when I talked about Pentecost and said two weeks when it was one week, apology there in advance, time flies too fast when you get older, okay? It just it flies too fast. But as Father's Day days approach us, don't just remember our, heaven, our earthly fathers, fathers, which I'm going to call mine tomorrow, see how he's doing, but also remember God the Father and consider what he has done for us or is doing for us. Actually, I should say he is doing for us. It's a future thing. He's still doing things for us. He provides us a way to become his children through Jesus Christ. He also... He provides the goods we need in our life. Of course, we have to work and we have to try to gain stuff, but when things aren't always perfect, he's there as a safety net to take care of us. Third, uh, he also provides us, as I keep putting this up, but I'm encouraging, read it like I'm doing. I'm, I broke it up to make it easy for me, but he provides us a book, a guidebook, to make our lives easier. Like a good dad who instructs his dad or his children since sometimes we don't know our own, the consequences. You know, as children running around may not know the consequences of playing baseball right by a window, where your dad will go, now get away from that window. I am not paying for that broken window if you break that window. Like, you know, that's the point of the, the book. He has compassion when we do foul up our lives. He doesn't just sit here and tell you, I told you so. He doesn't. I, I, I raise the eyebrow because he might say that a little bit, but then he also finds a solution to fix it. He doesn't just say that and just runs off. And then he wants us to be part of the family business, so to speak, or the, what he, he has goals for us, where we actually sit here and will be working with our Father and being able to help others in the kingdom solution. And in this message, didn't it, this did not even cover that much of what God the Father is and how awesome he is. You know, I thought about that this morning, and I can think of more. But time does not permit, so that's something you all can consider tomorrow when it's Father's Day and you get a chance to sit back in the morning or get up and say, you know, God, Father's an awesome God. So I encourage you this Father's Day not just to remember your earthly dad, but to remember God the Father as well for all the wonderful things he does for us today, what he's done for you in the past and what he has, will do in the future. For we do have a great and awesome God the Father in heaven.